Good morning, church. My name is Tyler, one of the pastors here at Westview. And this morning, we find ourselves in John chapter 10. We continue in this series looking at the gospel of John. And I want to encourage you, invite you uh, this morning, wherever you are, in the comfort of your home, uh, to join with me as we read through uh, these first few verses in John's gospel. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to open those to John chapter 10. Uh, the words will be on the screen as well. But let's begin uh, by reading God's word. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must also bring them. They too will listen to my voice, and I, there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The culture in Jesus' day would have very much understood this illustration of sheep. And here in John chapter 10, Jesus is wading into familiar waters for his Jewish audience with describing himself as the shepherd, as the good shepherd of Israel. And yet, even if they may be familiar, this was some hot water that Jesus was getting himself into. Claiming the title of the good shepherd of Israel, well, this was for God alone. If you take a closer look at the synoptic gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus often used this image of shepherding as as a metaphor of his speech to also use within the stories he shared in his parables. So much so that this illustrative use of sheep became a principal image for Jesus as he described leadership. 
Jesus' audience here in the passage would have also been keenly aware of the tie that this passage was making to much of what was said already in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Yahweh was the sheep shepherd of Israel. We see this in Genesis 49, 24, or even a more familiar passage, Psalm 23, which we'll look at a little bit later this morning. But nowhere would it have been more clear to Jesus' audience than that which was written in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 and 11. Let's look at that this morning. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed the flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. You see, now Jesus here puts the entire events of John chapter 9 into perspective by contrasting himself as the good shepherd with the Pharisees, whom he identifies here with those evil shepherds that were prophesied and written about back in Ezekiel chapter 34. And we'll look at that as well in a few moments here. But what Jesus is doing here in his text in front of these religious leaders is using divine language and images that would no doubt raise eyebrows amongst those of the religious elite. You see, it was common in the Old Testament for the leaders of the people to be called shepherds, especially we look at Moses, Psalm 77, 20, and, and David as well in Psalm 78 and Ezekiel 34. These Old Testament prophets in particular developed this shepherding motif to express how God cares for his people and his condemnation of false and evil rulers. But above all, above all of these leaders, above all of these shepherds, Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, was the shepherd par excellence. So Jesus here referring to himself as the shepherd of the flock is appropriate divine language. But to his audience, it continues to stir up dissension. It continues to stir up animosity between him and the religious elite. So let's take a closer look at that in our first point this morning. Let's look at shepherds in biblical times. And perhaps a little bit more context for us as we continue to develop this text. You see, in the desert at night, sheep were often herded into walled enclosures that are either backed up in the end of a cave or perhaps in a, a part of a canyon. And such enclosures that are still used in Palestine to this day by Palestinian shepherds in the Judean desert had kind of waist-high stone walls that what they did with them is they, they kind of topped them with stone, uh, thorny branches, sorry. And these thorny branches on top of these waist-high stone walls were designed to keep out predators. And at the front of it would be one small entrance. The shepherd would stay close to this entrance that either would have also some additional thorny branches laid out in front of it or or he himself as the shepherd would be the sentry standing at the opening. One commentary writer remarks, the shepherd has a distinct call or, or whistle, sometimes using a small flute, which the sheep recognize and follow. 
When several flocks can sometimes end up at a watering place at the same time and mingle together, they are easily separated again by the shepherd who gives a call and starts to walk away. In addition to their own distinctive call, some shepherds also give their sheep names. So as we get going this morning, what do we learn from this? Well, we learn that sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd. Now, sheep often get a bad rap for being fairly simple and dumb individuals. And yes, sometimes they can be, and maybe this story helps us a bit to understand that. A news report out of eastern Turkey shared the story of about 1,500 unattended sheep who fell off a cliff while the shepherds were eating breakfast one morning away from the flock. The first 400 fell to their death in a ravine, but the remaining 1,100 were saved because the first 400 broke their fall. The first 400 sheep were a big, fluffy cushion for the other sheep. Sounds like a good commercial for toilet paper, doesn't it? Apparently, this is what happened. The sheep in the back couldn't see past the sheep in the front, so they were unaware of what was happening behind them and in front of them. And so the sheep in front couldn't stop because the sheep in back continued to push them forward. It is well documented that sheep follow extremely well. And even if it is, according to the story, to their own detriment and death. But this intelligent ability to follow, to to recognize one voice out of the many that would have been around them is quite an impressive feat. Let's look at part of our text again from John chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never forget a stranger. They'll never follow a stranger, sorry. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. While this sad story of sheep ultimately leaping to their death off a cliff is perhaps sufficient proof for their limited intelligence, as I said, sheep have this incredible capacity and this incredible emotional connection. It's this emotional connection that they have to the shepherd which is evident here by Christ sharing, by Christ saying that they will follow the voice of their shepherd and that they will scatter at the voice of a stranger. To a sheep, their willingness to be led comes not out of a place of power or force, but instead it's demonstrated through great care and affection from their shepherd. I think actually, if you look at this, this is a great leadership principle for you and I, that there's this willingness to be led not out of a place of power, not out of a place of force, but because the one who is leading them cares, cares greatly and shows affection towards them. I think this is something for us today that if we find ourselves in a leadership position, that we should take heart to not lead out of a place of power and of authority, but out of care and affection for those who follow us. And we see this further developed in our second point this morning, that God shepherds through his designated leaders. 
the historical crisis of the Maccabean period in which Jesus presents this portion of John's gospel is helpful information for us to best understand this text. You see, Israel's leaders had failed them. Israel's leaders had guided their people into spiritual bondage, destroying their country by an assimilation into Hellenism. Their leadership was one again of authoritarianism, of oppression and power. I mean, this was almost what they expected of a Messiah, that that he would come and rule, and this this king would come with all the power and authority that they themselves saw in their local governing authority. And yet, how does Jesus come? Well, Jesus comes, and his leadership is demonstrated by that of servanthood, of sacrifice, and of selflessness. Again, these are incredible leadership principles for you and I to grab hold to as we live out our lives of faith, as we lead others in this journey. If you take nothing else away from this sermon this morning, if you hit pause or stop even right now, hold fast to that principle of how do we lead others. But let's continue in our text and our sermon this morning. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In these passages, Jesus reminds us and his audience that that God shepherds through his designated leaders. And he makes it explicit. He makes explicit remarks that, that echo again back to the Old Testament prophecies. Jeremiah and Ezekiel in particular develop again this shepherding motif to express how God cares for his people and his condemnation of these false and evil rulers. Each remark that God will condemn false leaders, false shepherds, Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34, and appoint faithful shepherds to tend his flock after the manner of his own heart in Jeremiah 3 and chapter 23. We pick it up again in verse 8. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Jesus here in verse 8 issues this warning to those who are the religious leaders that their voices are not the ones that God's chosen people should be following. Rather than being a good shepherd, he issues the rebuke that they themselves are thieves and robbers. This is the warning that was issued back in Ezekiel 34 verses 1 to 2. And I want to pick it up again in verses 11 to 16. So uh, read along with me or the words will be on the screen. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? And picking up again in verse 11, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. 
I will rescue them from the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will find in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And so the coming Davidic Messiah will be God's shepherd of his flock, as it says in Ezekiel 34, 23 to 24, that God will come, that God will come and shepherd his flock. He will search for those who are scattered. He will gather them from the nations and he will lead them to good pasture. This text would not have been unfamiliar to Jesus' audience as he was sharing what John records here in John chapter 10. And then in verse 10, issuing perhaps what is one of the most famous and well-known verses in John chapter 10, aside from John 3.16, we read this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. For some of you, maybe your translation that you're most familiar with says, I have come that they may have life and life in abundance or to have it abundantly. But see, for the thief, their primary objective is that of a self-serving nature. It is to steal. It is to kill. It is to destroy. You see, for Christ, the good shepherd, his objective is selfless. It is towards his flock that they may experience life. And not just experience life, but have it to the full. And so it begs us to ask a question this morning. Are we living life to the full? Or do we feel like we're barely getting by? What is it this morning, church? Are we living life to the full? Or does it feel after a year of navigating through this pandemic season, we are just barely getting by? Maybe a better question to ask this morning is, what does it mean to have life to the full? What does that even look like? Because we might easily misunderstand what Jesus is saying here as John records it. That what Jesus wants us to experience, this abundant life, this life to the full that Jesus promises us here in John chapter 10, is not what perhaps many of us have heard of this American dream of of experiencing just health and wealth and happiness because that couldn't be further from the truth. I, I mean, just look at the life of a shepherd for a moment. Just look at the life of a shepherd and tell me, does that resemble the American dream? This glamorous life? No. No, the life of a shepherd was, was one where they were often just left to their lonesome. That they were often ostracized and and lived life on the outskirts of the community. But theirs was a life of connection, of closeness, of knowing each other, 
You see, look what it says in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I believe that is the mark of a truly rich and abundant life. To know Christ and to be known by him. And that leads us to our final point this morning. Point three, that Jesus is the good shepherd. Here in our text, Jesus is claiming this role of the good shepherd for himself, but in a way unlike anyone has seen before. He has made clear his claim of divinity and messiahship, which he will repeat later in John 10 uh, in verses 22 to 39. So when he claims to be the shepherd, what he is claiming is that the Messiah has come, that he is he, that in him God himself has come to shepherd his flock, to shepherd his people. This is the culmination here of the fulfillment of the prophecy we read earlier in the book of Ezekiel. Again, verse 14 and 15 as well, I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The word here in the text for know and for recognize is the same word in Greek. It's this oida. So the sheep will be known by whom they know. It's this idea of knowing again in a greater intimacy and familiarity, not just in a casual association. Here is a beautiful picture of both divine sovereignty in the shepherd's call and the human response in the hearing, knowing, and following by the sheep. You see, I think the most important feature of Jesus' role as a shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. We read that in verse 10, in verse 15, verse 17, verse 18. It is throughout this passage that Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he lays down his life for his sheep. Of course, his intention is for them to live and to protect them, but he is willing to die for them. There is no question that he is willing to give up his life for them. Paul echoed this in a letter to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 27. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Paul here develops this theme and and echoes again that Christ loved the church, cared for the church, his people, his flock as the good shepherd, and Jesus was willing to lay down his life for the flock. It's important for us to know as well, when we look at the role of a shepherd in the way that they lead their sheep, that they don't drive them. We live here in Alberta. Many of us experience ranching and farming and and maybe you've gone out on a cattle drive and and you, you drive the sheep. You lead them and you steer them. You corral them into the destination where you want them to go. Well, here we read differently. What we see here as a shepherd is they go out in front and the shepherd follow, the sheep follow their shepherd. 
not again out of control, not out of power, but again, out of this great emotional connection and affection and love for their shepherd. Because they know the shepherd has the same love and care and affection for those sheep. And so it begs us to ask a question this morning, church. Who is out front leading us? Who is out front leading our life? And maybe in addition to that, who are we following? Because following Jesus means refusing to follow others who claim to be shepherds. But we know that they are false shepherds, that their intentions are evil, to harm, to hurt us. Yet what we are called is to follow one, to follow the good shepherd. As I put this message together, I couldn't help but have my thoughts continue to go towards the Psalms. And to one Psalm in particular, and I mentioned that we would look at it this morning, and we will, it's Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths for his name's sake. You see, Psalm 23 is this excellent illustration of what it means to be a competent shepherd. To see what a good shepherd is and how a good shepherd cares for his sheep. In the midst of moral chaos, in the midst of threatening deserts of our own current culture, whose voice, which shepherd are we following church? And for those of us who are in a leadership position, spiritual or otherwise, what this serves, I think, is a call for us to look at our own character, to look at our own lives. And if we see others who are following us, why are they following? Is it out of fear of, of, of judgment, of, of power, or is it again because there's a great emotional connection of love and value and selflessness and sacrifice? The reason I think that John says in John 10.10 10, that he has come to, to give us life to the full, to give us this abundant life, is answered here in Psalm 23, verse 1. Because in Jesus, we have life in abundance. Because in Jesus, we lack nothing. We lack nothing. We have everything that we could possibly want or need in Christ alone. You see, outside of Jesus, we will follow false shepherds. We will follow false idols. We will follow false leaders. People who will lead us astray, people who will disappoint us, who will fail us, who will do things which we know are not the calling that God would have for his people. But in Jesus, we have life in abundance because in Jesus, we lack nothing and his leadership is perfect. 
Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. You see, even in our wandering, even in our wandering, let us never forget Jesus, who is our good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for mine, for yours. That we all, like sheep, have gone astray. But the Lord Jesus, what was laid on him was the iniquity of us all. For the forgiveness of our sin. To bring us back into right relationship again with God the Father. So that we would experience that intimacy, that love, and that closeness, and that connection that a sheep would feel to its shepherd. And that we ought to feel to our Lord and to our Savior. To experience that life in abundance. Life to its fullness. Life. Because in Jesus, we lack nothing. Let me pray for us, church. Jesus, I thank you for your word. For this powerful reminder that even we like sheep having gone astray, Lord, you as the good shepherd go after them. You went after us. You've brought us back into right relationship and we give you thanks for that because of your great love, Lord. We give you praise and glory for that this morning. Help us to know that, to acknowledge that and to live that this coming week. And not just this week, but each and every day that you grant us breath. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.